The evening prior to the murder, Pollock and her sister Jean Langford had been at the Barrel and Ballroom where both had become acquainted with two men, both named John. One of these individuals had said he worked as a slater and resided in Castlemilk, while the other individual had been a well-spoken man who did not disclose where he actually lived. After being in the company of these two individuals for more than an hour, all four left the barrel and to head home. The man named John, who had been Jean's dance partner, walked to George Square to board a bus, while Langford Puddock and the man who had been Puddock's dance partner hailed a taxi. The trio set off from Glasgow Cross, making a 20-minute westward journey toward Langford's Knightswoods home. During the trio's conversation in the cab, most of the crucial information pertaining to the killer's psychological profile became apparent. Upon arrival at her home, Langford exited the cab, leaving Puddock and her dance partner still inside. The cab then continued towards Puddock's home on Scotston. Langford later informed detectives that her sister's companion had been a teetotal individual who repeatedly quoted the Old Testament stories of Moses during the time she and her sister had conversed with him in the taxi. He had also referred to the Barrowland as an adulterous den of inequity and of these disapproval of married women visiting the premises as a quartet had retrieved their quotes at the end of the evening. She had exited the taxi at Kelso Street before seeing the vehicle turn towards Earl Street. Suspect The suspect was described by Puddock's sister Jean Langford as being a tall, slim and well-dressed young man with reddish to fair hair rounded neatly at the back, aged between 25 and 30 and approximately 5 feet 10 inches in height. This individual had given his name as either John Templeton or John Semplson or John Emerson and he had been a polite and well-spoken individual, having frequently quoted from the Old Testament during the trio's taxi ride home, while also indicating he was neither Catholic nor Protestant. Langford stated that it had been increasingly clear to her as the trio had ridden in the taxi that this man had considered her presence in the vehicle to be an inconvenience. At one point during the ride, he had explained to the woman the reason he refrained from consuming alcohol was due to him being conditioned by a strict parental attitude before adding, I don't drink at Hogmanay, I pray. He had also alluded to his father's belief that dance halls were dens of inequity, with many married women who frequented the premises being adulterous by nature. Langford had informed detectives that the man accompanying Puddock had been a slim, tall individual who had been dressed in a well-cut brown Reed and Taylor brand suit and who smoked embassy cigarettes. She also recalled his mentioning that he had been familiar with several drinking premises in the Yorker district of Glasgow and that he had been at one stage working at a laboratory. She was able to describe the distinct facial features of this man, such as an overlapping front tooth. However, bouncers at the Barrowland Ballroom dismissed such a description, claiming that the man had been a short, well-spoken individual with black hair. The last possible sighting of the suspect was made by both the driver and conductor on the night service bus, who noticed a young man matching the description given by Lanford alighting a bus at a junction of Dumberton Road and Grey Street at approximately 2am on the 31st of October. He was in a particularly dishevelled state, with mud stains on his jacket and a livid red mark on his cheek just beneath one eye. Both witnesses also recalled he's repeatedly tucking a shirt cuff of one sleeve into his jacket sleeve. A man's cuff links had been found alongside the body of Helen Puddock. 
This individual was last seen walking towards a public ferry to cross the River Clyde to the south side of the city. Link to series. The murder of Helen Puddock held remarkable similarities to the two previous murders, further raising suspicion that all three murders had been committed by the same person. Each of the victims had been a mother of at least one child and had met her murderer at the Barrel and Ballroom. The handbag of each woman was missing, each victim had been strangled to death and at least two of these women had been raped prior to their murders. In addition, each of these three women had been escorted home by her killer and murdered within yards of their doorstep, and all had been menstruating at the time of their deaths. Each had had their sanitary towel or tampon placed upon, beneath or near their body, leading to speculation that the woman had been murdered for their refusal to engage in intercourse with their murderer, excused by their period. Within hours of the discovery of the body of Helen Puddock, an additional composite drawing of the suspect was created using a detailed description provided by her sister. Langford saw the earlier image created after the murder of Jemima MacDonald and believed it was an excellent likeness. Detective Superintendent Joe Beatty asked the public to closely study this composite drawing, should it resemble anyone they knew. Due to the suspect's hair being unfashionably short for the era, over 450 hairdressers in and around Glasgow were shown the updated drawing of the suspect, and all dentists in and around the city were asked to examine their records to determine whether they had held records of a patient with overlapping incisors and a missing tooth in the upper right jaw. Both lines of inquiry proved fruitless. The police also produced an artist's impression portrait created by Lennox Patterson, registrar of the Glasgow School of Art, based on the recollections of Puddock's sister. In June 1970, police employed a photo fit system in an attempt to produce a better likeness of the suspect. This was the first instance this method of identifying a murder suspect was utilised in Scotland. More than 100 detectives were assigned to work the full time, full time on the case and 50,000 witness statements would be taken in subsequent door-to-door -door inquiries. Ultimately, more than 5,000 potential suspects would be questioned in the first year of inquiry alone, and Jean Langford would be required to attend over 300 identity parades. Although she was adamant none of the individuals required, required to participate in these identity parades had been the individual with whom she had last seen her sister, and all would be cleared of any involvement. Fearing that the perpetrator would strike again, a team of 16 detectives were instructed to mingle with dancers at all dance halls in Glasgow. In particular, these detectives frequented the Barrowland on Thursdays and Saturday nights at the Over 25s events, where each victim was presumed to have met her murderer. Despite the extensive manhunt, no further developments would arise in the investigation into the three murders gradually becoming cold, with many officers assigned to the case believing that the perpetrator had either died, been jailed for an unrelated offence, had been incarcerated in a mental hospital, or that senior police officer had known his actual identity but had been unable to prove he had committed the murders. Others speculated that he may have simply moved away from the Glasgow district or murdered whenever in the vicinity. This possibility prompted the police to circulate multiple copies of the composite drawings to all British Army, Navy and Air Force bases in the United Kingdom, Europe and the Middle and Far East. This line of inquiry failed to produce any significant leads. No further murder victims killed in Scotland or elsewhere in the United Kingdom have ever been conclusively attributed to Bible John, and the manhunt for this murderer was one of the most extensive manhunts in Scottish criminal history. 
The murders of the three women remained unsolved, although the case remains open, with many investigators remaining certain that the perpetrator or perpetrators of these crimes were highly likely to have been shielded by one or more individuals whom he had known. No uniform consensus exists that the three killings were actually the work of the same person. It has been claimed that the gap of 18 months between the first two killings is unusual for a serial killer, and that the later two murders may have either been copycat killings or the sole two co committed by the same perpetrator. Criticism has also been levelled against the police for potentially hampering their own investigations by prematurely jumping to the conclusion that all three murders had been committed by the same person. In 2004, the police announced their intention to genetically test a number of men in the further attempt to identify the perpetrator, with all individuals concerned being requested to submit blood samples. These endeavours followed the previous discovery that 80% genetic match from the semen samples retrieved from the final crime scene attributed to Bible John with a DNA sample retrieved from the site of a minor crime committed two years earlier. The sample was enough of a match to lead officers to believe that the person who committed offences was related to the killer. The sole witness ever to have engaged in a lengthy conversation with Bible John, Jean Langford, died in September of 2010 at the age of 74. Langford had given police the description used to form the second composite drawing created for the suspect, with the continu which continues to remain the most significant clues as to the perpetrator's physical appearance. Despite Professor Wilson's assertion that Peter Petobin may have been Bible John, when Jean Langford discussed her sister's murder, many decades later she dim dismissed this theory, stating empathetically that Tobin had not been the man with whom she had shared a taxi on the night of her sister's murder. If you like that, then listen to our main show every Wednesday on all good podcast providers. It's Alive Alive, the really, really fake true crime horror podcast. All the guts and gore, none of the guilt. See you on Wednesdays.